We are, we're going to be on message number six. We're going to talk about the fall. Our story is going to take a, 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 a twist in the wrong direction. But let's just kind of pick up a little bit of what we, we've looked at in chapter one and chapter two. Uh, how, how, we, how we see God. How is God revealed to us in Genesis one and two? Let's, let's just go through a couple of these things right here. Uh, you got in your notes there. We, first of all, we see he's our creator, right? He's our creator and he's the one true God. Not, not many gods, you know, like all the other religions talk about all these pantheon of gods and this, this hierarchy of gods and these good gods, these bad gods, and they, they war and they fight and they do all those kind of things. Uh, Genesis tells us that there is one true God and he is our creator. And that you and I were created by this loving God. And he created it all so he could share it. That's, that's his nature is to share and to be benevolent, to be good. So, and, and we also understand that God did all of this through his wisdom and his understanding and, and the being that we're dealing with as we study the scriptures and live our lives is it, it, the God that can do anything. He can do anything. That's what we get out of Genesis 1. He is able to speak things into existence. He is able to create things from nothing. He's got a plan. He's got an order. He's got function and purpose for things, including us. All right? So, so we see him not just as the creator. We see him as our creator. We picked that up in, in 1, 26, 27, and 28. He's our creator. That we didn't just evolve, we didn't crawl up out of a slime boat bed and this turned into this and that went to that. Um, God made us. God created us as humans. The Bible gives us some incredible information about who we are. So not, not humans making gods, that's what the pagans do. They make their gods. They fashion them. They go to the craftsman, uh, the craftsman and, and he carves it out of wood. Or he, the blacksmith, he, he, he makes it out of some kind of metal or something like that. Humans don't make gods. God makes humans. It's a big difference. And in, in the world when the Bible was written, they were surrounded by all these other religions. So it was a big deal, a big revelation. And, and our, he's our creator. Our origins are in God. Not all the processes of time or the theories of men. You know, it's, it's hard to know where to put all that science, but when you start looking at the Bible story and all the stuff that we've been told, which they're theories, you know, the stuff that they teach in science books are theories. They're theories. They weren't there. God was there. He reveals to us what happened. And we also know that he's our creator and that life is a gift from him. Life is something that's precious. We saw him as, our, as the creator, our creator, and then we saw him as a craftsman. The word is that he formed Adam like a craftsman would, that he formed Adam. We also see God, God as a gardener. You're going to see these things start playing out in the story, even Jesus' stories. He starts talking about gardening and all those kind of things. God's like a gardener. He planted a garden. And where's this garden located? It's, it's in Eden, right? And that God is a builder. He built Eve. That, that's the word that's used. So we see him as, as a craftsman, a gardener, and a builder. All right, now what about us? What about us as the humans? Genesis 1 and 2 give us a little bit of a, a blueprint of what God's will is for us humans. And he's got a good will and he's got, he's got a will that, that we've yet to live up to. But it's still important for us to understand it. He created us in his image and likeness. Amen? That's what the scripture says. He created us in his image and likeness. He gave us function and roles. Do you see them there? Be fruitful, multiply, rule and subdue. All the things he told us to do. And, and humans are God's children. He's like a father. He created us. He's our father. Jesus will bring that to bear big time. He, he, he brings the fatherhood of God to everybody's attention. 
humans are God's children. They're not his slaves. You know, all the other religions are the, the, the humans are the slaves. They feed the gods and they do these kind of sacrifices and things so that the gods can continue. It's a whole different deal. This, the God, the one true God is our father. And he's planted this garden in paradise and it's designed, it was designed to be the eternal home for humanity. All right? All right, let's see. What did I say that last? So the humans, ah, we'll get that. The people of God in the place of God dwelling in the presence of God. That, that's Eden. The people of God in the place of God dwelling in the presence of God. That's a book I'm reading right now called The Epic of Eden. If you'd like to pick up a copy of that, it would be worth your read. It just kind of gives you a backdrop of the Old Testament, really. What is it? The Epic of Eden. It's right there in your notes. The Epic of Eden. Okay. It's got some, the first two or three chapters are real technical, but uh, it, it's, it's worth your, your labor. So now, paradise. We've got the Garden of Eden, and we call it paradise. Things are good in Eden, right? Uh, every time God says something about His creation... And then in Eden, we know things are really good. There's abundant food supply. There's beautiful things everywhere. Everything's pleasant to the eye. And, and one of the most important things about Eden is, is Eden is a place where heaven and earth seem to meet. In, in Genesis 3, we're going to see that God walks with them in the cool of the day. That's one of the things that makes it paradise is this relationship. They've, they've got this connection with God. And can you imagine walking with God? Huh. We got some stories about some people walking with God, don't we? I think one old boy said he walked with God, and he was not because God did what? He he took him. Oh, Enoch, you remember Enoch? So God's walking with them. There's harmony in creation. There's unity in the first family. Things are good in Eden. All right, they are at peace in paradise. Now here, let, let me give you this little quote about Eden, and then we'll get into chapter three. This is out of that book, Epic of Eden. I just talked about in, on page 104. It says, In Eden, here, the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve would learn life at the feet of the Father. They would build their city in the shadow of the Almighty, create and design and expand within the protected confines of His kingdom. The blessing of this gift, a civilization without greed, malice, or envy, progress without pollution, expansion without extinction. extinction. Extin- How do you say that? Extinction. I'm from Tennessee. Sometimes it just gets rough on me. The rulers would be wise and just, resources plentiful, war unnecessary, achievement unlimited, and beauty and balance everywhere. That's the idea of Eden. Now we're going to see something happens to that whole picture. All right, let's go to Genesis 3. I'm going to read the first 13 verses. Follow along with me. All right, so far everything's been good, right? We'll end in chapter 2. The man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Naked and open before God, before each other, and no shame, no nothing. Well, things are going to change in chapter, chapter 3. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. So we get introduced to somebody else just stepped into the story, right? He was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. 
For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Okay, so you get this picture. There's two trees in the garden. What are the two trees? You got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and what's the other tree? Tree of life. Now who's at these trees? Well, there's a serpent there. We know that. Who else is there? Adam. Eve's there. We know she's having a conversation. Where's Adam? Seems like he's right there, doesn't it? Okay. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You see how chapter 2 ended, naked and unashamed. Now what's happened? James come in. Now they're hiding from each other and from God. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? In the Hebrew it's like, Oh no, what have you done? What's happened? That's the idea. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. It's going to continue, but that's all we got time to cover tonight. So then they start blaming each other, right? You heard that old story. He said, humans, he said, we, all, we need water to drink. We need food to eat. We need a place to live, and we need somebody to blame. Ain't that about the truth? That is about the truth. All right, so now, let's get back to our notes here. Do you see your story in that story? Yeah, there's, Scripture gives us, the reason here is that we're no longer in paradise. It tells us why we're not there. Why this world, we try to make songs about it, we try to make it the best we can, but we know it's not quite what it needs to be. Why are we not in paradise anymore? Well, Adam's choice. Adam and Eve make a choice right here, and they let sin and death into Eden. But it's not just Adam's choice that gets us in trouble. Our choices. Anybody here made any bad choices that got you in trouble? Yeah. So Adam and Eve let sin into Eden, into their garden, and now we let sin into our garden as well, into our lives by our choices. And you got that old snake. That old, call him Slewfoot is what they call him. That old serpent. You know what you find out reading this story, and you're going to read several stories, and I could read your story, and you could read my story. You know what we'd find out? That there is a snake in every garden. There's a snake in everybody's life that is trying to talk you out of paradise. All right? So now. So this, this whole thing is surrounding a covenant which God made the terms of. Okay? Remember, we'll, we'll just go back to 2.16 and 17 right here. And just, let's just read what, what God said about that. This is the covenant about Eden. 16.17. It says, The Lord God commanded the man. 
saying of every this is how this is reality Adam this is how life with me is going to work in this garden of every tree of the garden you may eat as much as you want as long as you want just knock yourself out just have all of it freely eat it all and they had fruit of all kinds trees of all kinds but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die so God lays down the stipulation. Do not eat. Now did you notice when Eve was talking to the, the snake, she said God said that we couldn't eat it and we can't touch it. But did God say anything about touching it? He really did. Nobody seems to get God's word right. And of course the deceiver is trying to twist his words. Trying to deceive her. And she doesn't have the command right. And Adam, what, why, what, what, what in the world? Could he have maybe stepped, I mean, I don't know, it's speculation, but could he maybe have stepped in and said, whoa, 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 hey, Jack, you in the tree. <laughs> no, put that down, woman. <laughs> you know, maybe said it like that, too. <laughs> he was scared. He was already scared of her. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, I, I, I'm just thinking, I'm wondering why he, he didn't say something, you know, and, and could he have? He's certainly going to be held responsible for this deal, for sure. God says of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat it. Leave it alone. That's reserved. All right? Now, so Adam is instructed to keep a simple covenant. Just, just one, there's only one law. Now, get, get the nature of God right here. You got many blessings. You got a whole farm you can have. Your whole garden... All this land in Eden is, is delightful, it's wonderful, it's got everything you'll ever need. You can have the whole thing, leave this alone. So we got many blessings and you got one stipulation. And for life to work, God knows that the humans, we have to be submitted to it. Only, that's the only way life works. And, you gotta, and we have to choose to be a part of it. That's, that's the only way love works, Right? Some, some people say God gave us this wonderful gift called free will. Why would he do that? Well, love, love only works with freedom. If, if I make you love me, is that love? That's, that's some kind of fear. So there has to be this, this freedom to choose. And we're going to see that. I mean, we saw that they just they chose wrong. So love requires freedom and freedom requires choice. Well, there should be that, 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 yeah, we'd call that respect, you know. And, and of course, the reason we have fear there is mama taught me that right. there are consequences <laughs> to it. <laughs> and, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We'll, we'll see that in just a moment. Uh, so, so this thing, just talk about trees. Did you see all this talk about trees? You've got trees that are pleasant to look at, you know, just go out there. You, you can kind of come out here in the morning times when the sun's coming up over the top of these trees right here. And then all the different greenery and all the stuff. And, and then you start sneezing and stuff, you know what I mean? But <laughs> anyway, so you got all these trees. God gave them trees to, to look at, to enjoy, see his nature towards us, his will towards us. Trees that are good to eat. You know, we're, we're dealing with a God that, that gave you taste buds. He wants you to enjoy things. 
And we got the tree of life. The tree of life. So here's the idea of the tree of life is, is that's the connection. As long as they stay in right relationship with God, they have access to the tree of life, which Jesus will later call it everlasting life or eternal life. As long as they stay in that garden in good relationship with God, they have access to life. Everything that, that eternal life, forever life kind of thing. But then there's that tree, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That, that's off limits. You leave that alone. Now, what, what in the world is, a, a, that's a weird name for a tree. Wouldn't you think? What, what, what is that? That's, what, what, if we just broke it down, the knowledge of good and evil. What, what do you call that? Do you need that? You need the knowledge of good and evil? Yeah. We call it wisdom, right? And hopefully the older we get, the better we get at it. Hmm. We call it maybe discernment, the ability to make right choices. So did, did God not want us wise? No, that's not it. Ah, He wants us to be obedient. Hmm. So who was to be the source of their knowledge of good and evil? God. And he laid down this stipulation and said, hey, this is what you need to know about right and wrong. You have all this, it's good. This is bad. You leave it alone. I don't know why. There's a lot of mystery around, around all that kind of thing. Is it something God was going to bring them into later? Maybe. Maybe as they grew with him, maybe. I don't know. But what God wanted was him to be the source of what's right and what's wrong. Now, so God does want us to have wisdom. I mean, the whole Bible's written for that purpose, right? But He wants to be the source of it. He wants to be the source of it. Now, let me ask you this. Has this challenge changed to, to, to know good and evil? Do we do what we want to do or do we do what God tells us to do? Proverbs 19, you know it well. You, you were talking about that just a moment ago, Jan. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does that mean? Just break it down. What, what does that mean? Smart to do what he says. It's smart to fear him. It's, it's the starting point. It's not, the, it's not all of wisdom. We've got to have a little bit more information after that. God helps us with understanding. But the beginning point of you being a wise person is you being in right relationship with God. And the, the, the right relationship part is that he's father and you're not. You're, you're, you're a child. You're, you're, we, we are to be submitted to him. That's the beginning point of wisdom. Okay? So now if you lose the fear of the Lord, where does wisdom go? Hmm. Okay. So now God's instruction to them was basically this. Listen to my word and obey it and life will be good for you in paradise. Life will be good. Now do we still have this dilemma today? Do we have Bible passages that say listen? Or do we have anything that says anything like if you have an ear, listen to what I'm saying. Do we have anything like that? Do we still have listening problems? Do we still have hearing problems? Jesus told several stories about things that will stop you from hearing. 
and stop you from hearing correctly and stop you from hearing truth. And there, there's an adversary working against you on that too. But the, most of the problem is us. We, we got a will, we got a way, and we want to do it. And there's a snake in the garden and we find somebody we can agree with and we go and do what we want to do. Oh Lord, is that anybody's story but mine? Mm-hmm. All right, so now you, we understand this idea that's being laid out here. Now, let me just, all, all you folks that have had children, this is how we hope our children respond to us. We hope they listen and do what we say and instruct within reason, obviously. And we're going to try to be reasonable parents. We're going to try to love them and raise them right. We hope they listen to our instructions and stay within our boundaries, hoping that they'll avoid... All the consequences. So some kids don't have any idea. I mean, you, you just go out there and you say, don't, don't go out in the street. Well, I mean, do you sit there and give them a science lesson about what will happen if a car going 60 miles an hour runs over them on their bicycle or runs over them and does that? You don't talk. I mean, you, you can't explain all the universe to everybody. You just say, stay out of the street. Don't go past that bush on the front row of the, of the yard right there. You stay on this side and you stay here. And we hope, because they have no idea about consequences, do they? They don't even put those two, two things together most of the time. So if your kid listens and obeys, life in this little garden we got will be good for you. That's all we want as parents, right? But what do you find out about your kids? <laughs> I understand. That's right. Well, but so if, if they listen to you and do what you say, then life's going to be good at home, you know. But if they don't, well, mama taught me a long time ago, life ain't going to be good around here for you. <laughs> and now what, what if they get to be a little older now and then they start listening to other folks? They start listening to other folks that don't have the same values as you. They don't have the same ideas of truth and, and right and wrong and all those kind of things. They, they, they eat of another kind of tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they come in here and they start talking to your kids about doing this and going here and doing this and being with this kind of dude and this kind of person, this kind of girl, whatever. What if they start listening to somebody who contradicts your instructions? Does that happen? That's kind of what happened in that garden, isn't it? See, we, we, we know the story. We live the story ourselves and, and with our families. So now, this is what Adam and Eve are going to need to know. This is, this is part of their knowledge that life comes from God, period. Everything that they have and everything they need comes from God. There is no life without Him creating it. There's no life without Him blessing it. There's no life without Him forming it. There's no life without Him breathing into it. There's no life without Him planning it. There's no life without Him building it. And there's no life apart from God. There's only death. That's their instructions. If you listen to me, you live. If you don't listen to me, you're going to die. Surely you will die. Really, I guess in plain English, not just surely you will die. It's like you will be doomed to die. That's the way we would say it today. You would be, you'll be doomed to die. And that's kind of how Jesus approaches his temptation. Remember in Matthew 4, when he's, he's tempted by the enemy? 
And he's trying to get him to do all these things. And it's the same, same dude that's in the garden talking to Eve. The same serpent. Now, he shows up as the enemy to Jesus. And then Jesus rebukes him with this. He's not going to fall for the same thing Adam and Eve fell for. Jesus looks at him and says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You're trying to get me to eat from that tree. I'm going to tell you, I'm not. I'll tell you what I'm eating off of. I'm going to eat off of every word that comes out of God's mouth. You see how he, this is how he's reversing things. This is how he defeated, this is how he became the victor where everybody else has failed. Jesus became the victor just because he's going to listen. He's, he's going to listen and obey. I wish we had more time to talk about all that. Now you don't have this in your notes. I had this from last week. So good and evil. So knowing good and evil become major themes in the, the rest of the Bible story and the rest of our lives. That becomes a major theme. All right. Now will we seek God to teach us good and evil or will we take it on ourselves and do it our way? So is your theme song going to be, oh Frankie boy, I did it my way? You know, that's like one of the greatest songs in American history. Why? There's a whole bunch of people doing it. Or are you going to say, I surrender all? Two different worldviews. Two different trees. See what I'm talking about? All right, so now let's talk about this tempter real quick before we go. The tempter. He is, here he's called the serpent. His character will continue to develop to his fullness in the story of Jesus. We're later going to learn he's Satan. He's called Satan, the devil. He's evil. He's wickedness personified as Lucifer. And, and there's something you need to know about this. Why is he talking to this serpent? Well, Paul tells us a little bit about this serpent. That he is able to disguise himself as an angel of light. Angel. That, that's the word messenger. That's what an angel is, is a messenger. That this enemy is able to disguise himself as an angel of light. So he didn't look like the devil. Just like he doesn't look like the devil when he comes knocking on your door. You know what I'm talking about? In that first couple of verses it says that he was more cunning than all the other creatures. He's more cunning. Ah, what's that? When you hear the word cunning, we don't use it that much, but what do you think about? Sly, slick, silver tongue, deceitful. The word can be used positively, and we use the word prudent or wise or shrewd. But here, it's obviously leaning towards the negative. He's deceptive, he's crafty, he's clever. And he's described as the craftiest of all of God's creatures. He's a created being now. And it turns out he's even more crafty than the humans. And it turns out his goal is to talk these people out of paradise. And you know what his goal is in your life? Is to talk you out of it too. And he'll talk you out of your marriage. He'll talk you out of your church. He'll talk you out of the Bible. He'll talk you out of all the good things that God has for you. He'll talk you out of paradise. He is nobody to be trifled with. 
And I promise you, if he can talk Adam and Eve out of, out of Eden, you better watch yourself. You better not mess with him. His goal is to keep you from doing the will of God, whatever that is for your life. And again, there's a snake in every garden. So there's a snake in your garden. There's a snake in your house. you got to know that. You know, I was cutting the grass Friday. Ran over his, we wasn't a big snake. There's snakes around my house. You cut the grass and find them? Now, I know that's a for real snake. That, ain't, that wasn't the devil. Now, I ain't, that's silly. You know, but every time I see one, I think about it. I hate snakes. I ain't even sure I like people that like snakes. You know what I'm talking about? There's folks that like snakes. You know, I got, I got friends who, who, who have pet snakes. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs> we got the, yeah. Uh, yeah, there are churches that, that deal with snakes. It's like, what in the world's wrong with these people? No, sir. There's a snake in every garden. Let, let me ask you this. Just talk about our church family. You, you, think, you think snakes around here? You think he's trying to talk people out of the good things that's here and keep us from doing the will of God? You think he's in around here? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's tore up many churches, many families, many lives. I got a few scars from snake bites myself. And Jesus is the only one, this, this cunning one, this, this crafty one, this deceptive one, this deceiver. Jesus is the only one that can handle him, not you. And you better remember that now. That's why Jesus said when you pray, you ask God to deliver you from evil. You, you, you tried on your own? Oh, I got this. I, I'm, I'm smarter than that. Oh, uh, yeah. Watch yourself. Let's go through a little list right here of what he does. 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul said this, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices or his strategies. There's a better, better way to maybe see the idea of devices. The way he works. We're not ignorant of his devices. Now, let, let's, let's look, look at this. Notice the progression. We're going to get to that list in just a minute. This is added notes. Notice the progression, because this progression is going to show up and this language is going to show up in all kinds of other Bible stories. Okay? She saw that the tree was good. Okay? So you got stories that bring all that kind of language. Like, like David's on the roof of his house. And what did he do with Bathsheba? He, he saw her. He saw her. This, this idea that what she saw keeps going through the story. It's pleasant to the eyes. Oh, back up to the saw. Saw the tree was good. Saw that it was good. But what was the tree? It was a tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. So there was a good side to it maybe. But what did she not see? She saw that it was good, but what did she not see? She didn't see the evil. Does that sound familiar? That sounds like how you fish. You want them to see the good shiny part. What part you don't want them to see? Mm-hmm. And that is pleasant to the eyes. She couldn't see the consequences. Do we ever? That's something that's so hard raising kids, especially when they get to be teenagers. They have very little concept. When you say, don't do this, don't do that, don't take this, don't do drugs, don't drink this, they, you know what they fail to see? They, they see that it's good because it makes them feel good. But what do they not see? 
What did I not see? What did you not see? You failed to see the consequences. You saw how pleasant it would be, but you didn't see how evil it would be, how it would turn out, the fallout. It's desirable. It says that she saw it and it was desirable to her. All, all that taking over her will. Want it no matter what. And then she took it. That, that's a real big idea right there. She took it. She took it. Let's, let's say it like this how we would say She took it upon herself to make this decision that should have already been made for her. Like us. She took it instead of taking God's word. Hmm. All right. Now his strategies. Let's list these out real quick. Again, you can write a book on about every one of these. So we, we'll just go through them quickly. So what, what, what are his strategies? All right, so first we see he twists and misrepresents God's word. The very first thing he does is attacks God's word. Did God say? And I don't know if some of y'all went to college and all that kind of stuff, but guess what? When you go to these Bible classes and these religion classes, you, you know what the very first thing most of those secular professors are going to say? Did, did God really say? They have different verbiage for it, maybe. But they begin to attack. And of course, we're in a big big battle right now because everybody's going through this, what they call now, deconstruction of their faith. They're deconstructing. you got all these singers and high-profile Christian people that are renouncing Christ and all that kind of thing. Well, they've come under attack. Second thing he does, he brings doubt. Through sarcasm and questioning. He just doubted. Did, did God really say that? You, you see the, the questioning? Hmm. And, she, and, and he causes them to exalt their desire above God's will. That's what he does. He'll do it for us too. And he leads them to disobey God, getting them to listen to the wrong voice. He's more crafty. And the fifth thing, it causes them to desire to be their own God, their own boss. You be like God. Isn't that what he said? Knowing good and evil. Wait a minute now. They'll be like God. What, what, what are they already? They're already his image. They're as much like God as they ever can be right now. And he just all outlies. He says, you can get rid of God now. You, you can become your own God. Verse 6, or number 6, causes them to look to a thing for their fulfillment rather than look to God for fulfillment. Number 7, causes them to question the goodness of God. He really is good at this one now. God knows that in the day that you eat of it, you're, you're, you're going to know things. You're going to be big, bigger and better. He makes all these kind of claims about he, God's holding it. God's trying to keep you from something by giving you this. God's like the cosmic killjoy, you know. That's kind of what I thought when I was coming up as a teenager. I didn't want nothing to do with that because that would just absolutely kill my joy. And you see all this stuff. And you see we've all been bitten by this same serpent. And let's close with this. You know, Jesus talks about snake bites. You kind of got to know the Old Testament to see what he's talking about. But over in John chapter 3, there's this famous conversation that Jesus has with, who, who's the guy he's talked to in John 3? Nicodemus. Nicodemus. 
He has this conversation. Well, I got it on your notes. You got <laughs> you, Jesus is. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the famous born again passage. How, how, you know, how did you come into the kingdom? You must be born again or born from above, right? And you know John 3.16, right? What was it? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But do you know verse 14 and 15? Let's go back over there. Let's go back over there. Let's see what verse 14 and 15 have to say. Because Jesus is going to talk about snake bites. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. uh Uh-oh. Lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now what in the world is Jesus talking about? He is referring to a story that happened in Numbers 21. And in Numbers 21, the people have gotten all upset and they've gone through a whole series of like, I think it's a 10 rebellions. They've rebelled against God time and time and time again. And this is the last straw. They rise up against Moses and say, you think you're all that. You ain't all that. And who you think you are? You and Aaron have appointed yourself over us and we ain't going to listen to you no more. And they come up and they, they get this revolt against them. Then they, then they do something crazy again. And God lets the snakes out. God just says, that's it. And the snakes, it's, it's, it's wild. The snakes go out into the crowd of the people and begin to bite them. And they begin dropping like flies. And Moses intercedes. And God tells Moses to go make a brazen out of brass, go make a snake and put it on a pole and I want you to hold it up in front of the people and when you hold it up in front of the people, if they will trust me and they will look at that snake on that pole, they'll be healed. They'll still be bit, but they'll be healed. And that's what happened. Now that that snake on the brazen pole, anybody know what that is also a symbol we use of today? It's a medical symbol. It comes from that story. Okay. So now, this snake on this pole, these people had gotten bitten by the snakes and they're dying. And Jesus said, just as Moses lifted that snake up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up and whoever believes in him shall not perish, even though they got bit by the snakes, and they have eternal life. See what I'm talking about? You got to kind of know the story to talk, know he's talking about snake bites right here. And he said, "For this reason, God so loved the world that He gave He He, he sent me here, because you have a mortal wound." And you have been snake bitten and his venom runs through your veins and he is killing you as we speak. And Jesus is the only remedy. See what I'm talking about? It's, it's really amazing how these stories all net, network together. Huh. So what are you going to do about your snake bites? You got to look to Jesus. Amen. I mean, there's a ton more. I, I, I hate to even quit. I mean, we could preach, talk another three or four hours, to be honest with you. There's a lot here. Next week, I want you to keep reading chapter 3 from verse 14 on. 
we're going to talk about the consequences. And you're going to see a lot of the stuff that the reality that we have to deal with today is going to be laid in those consequences. Okay? The Bible is talking to us about the reality of our condition as humans. And there's wisdom here that will absolutely save your life. Mine too. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's ask God to help us. Our Lord, we need your help. need you to deliver us and help us, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to deal with the serpent and you came to deal with our snake bites. We've all been bitten by him. We've all been deceived. He's been more crafty than me, I know. We thank you for your goodness. You could have just discarded us. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, I, I pray for all of us here. We, we all are in a struggle. We're all in a fight. And this temptation thing is real. I pray that you would help us to be able to see the snake in our garden. Not so we can talk to him, so we can avoid him. We can resist him. We can get out of his path. Help us, Lord. I pray you'd just save us, rescue us, heal us, and help us. In Jesus' name, amen.